Well, today my guest is Andreana Elise. Andreana is a poet, educator, and community grower. She's an author of Inner Revolutions, Body and Soul Healing, and Beloved Justice. She's lived and traveled across the U.S., U.K., the sovereign nation of Hawaii, Europe, and the Middle East. She works with people of all backgrounds to end cycles of trauma, heal our spirits, and free the feminine. Her book, Circle the Bones with Shining, was just released from Finishing Line Press. You can contact Adriana at her website, andriana-elise.com. Andriana, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Tiffany. It's such a joy to be here. Yes, and I am so happy to have you because you have such a rich background mm-hmm. in your experience, which I know I didn't even fully share in your in the reading of your bio. And I think it would be really wonderful and the audience would appreciate hearing a little bit more about the work you're doing and maybe just a little background on the journey Mm. that you took to get to this work, because it's no doubt very important, meaningful work. And I, Mm. I want to make sure people know what you're up to. So please share what you'd like. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for holding the space for me because I I find in my work, you know, I'm often the one who is, you know, holding the space, uh, listening to others. It's so important. You know, when I say in my bio, you read it so beautifully and about freeing the feminine, you know, so often people don't really understand maybe what that means. And it is very deep work. Um, But I think giving women a chance to really tell their life stories, their insights, their experiences, what they've suffered along the way and and along with their triumphs. You know, the process of just telling our stories and being heard is in itself so healing. And so a lot of my work is, is that, is holding space for people, listening to their stories, and then helping them to write their stories because there's power obviously in the in the spoken word. And there's also this different power in the written word. So I've been, I've been doing that with women, you know, in, in the places that you mentioned. And now thank God for Zoom. I do a lot of my work over Zoom. So I've been, you know, interviewing and speaking with women in Iran recently, my sisters who are really on the front lines of these protests and this really feminine revolution that's happening in Iran. So that's kind of where my heart has been recently. And as you know, like as a Baha'i woman, you know, we have spiritual roots in Iran. So it's incredible to see what these women are, are, are going through right now. Yes. And what types of environments or where do you do your work? I know it's Zoom, but in the past, even mm-hmm. uh, what kind of communities have you been working in with, with women and and all those who are connected to them. Yeah, thank you. You know, my journey has taken me on quite quite a non-linear path, I, I will say. And so, you know, I grew up part of my life in Israel and in Haifa. And so that experience alone kind of really broke me open to the world and took me out of where I had grown up in, in the Maryland, Washington, D.C. area and exposed me to, what, you know, what's really happening in the world. And so I think from there, um, I really began to connect with people of all different backgrounds. Um, but I was always very drawn to people who have been ignored, bullied, 
oppressed. I've experienced some of those things in my life. Um, and, and so even that small experience just made me more acutely sensitive to those who are what we call like on the margins, which, you know, um, I have trouble with that language, but that's often, you know, how, how we speak about it. And so I've worked with women and youth and families often, you know, uh, in, in places that are not sort of mainstream. So in, I've, I've gone into people's homes in rural Hungary. I spent a lot of time um, with the Roma people in Eastern Europe, um, also in the UK. Uh, the Roma people often are called gypsies, uh, but they have a very rich history, um, but also a history um, of oppression, of enslavement, of historical trauma, genocide. So being in community with people um, and being accepted by the Roma people into their homes, it really started me on this journey of looking at my own heritage, looking at my own country, really starting to lift a veil from my own eyes regarding race, and gender, and oppression. So after I'd spent some time in Eastern Europe and in Europe, I came back to to the United States, and and then I started to really. Uh, work deeper in communities at the grassroots. Um, so then it took me into jails, into recovery centers where women, you know, were coming back from cycles of addiction, sex abuse, uh, sex trafficking, domestic abuse, and uh, you know, again, using storytelling and the written word and poetry, and just sitting, being with each other. And so I, I've worked in, yeah, a number of different settings, schools, universities, you know, in each place, it's, it's been such a privilege to connect at the soul level. You know, that's where I feel most at home. Mm. It seems like it, the way you speak about it, it just seems like this is what you were meant to do and mm. designed to do. And mm. certainly it's evolved and will continue to evolve. But at the core, mm. I can understand why people would feel comfortable and feel safe to share their challenges and their hardships and experiences, but also probably the hope of right. transcending, you know, and, right, and exactly. moving beyond. What do you think is at the core of people and maybe in, in this case, women's mm. belief about themselves mm in the context of a world that is harsh and oppressive and abusive? what is there something that you notice? I'm not talking about the, the essence and like the, the true right. spiritual reality of people's nature and, and maybe deeply who they truly are. But for those who you've worked with, who are coming from a, experiences of, of pain and, and trauma, is there sort of a common, I know everyone's so unique and different, but is there like a common maybe um, kind of belief or a false belief mm -hmm. that, that people and maybe women hold about themselves as they try to navigate through a world that isn't very welcoming, it mm. seems? Mm. Oh, I love that question because you're right. We've been steeped and fed so many lies you know, through our cultural systems, through our histories, through religious institutions and history and theology. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty 
widespread uh, the depth of lies that humans and women, especially, I would say, um, have really ingested historically and it's passed down. And I think, you know, our generations are, are the ones who are saying, no, I don't want to carry these lies forward anymore. I am doing the truth work. I am wanting to embody a new way on the deepest levels you know, possible. And you're right, that requires us to kind of start to uncover those lies in ourselves. And so I will often hear, and I hear this across the board, um, and I'm sure it's not new to you from women of, of all backgrounds, but this this narrative of not enoughness. I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. I have to fix it. I have, you know, this, there's something deep down um, that I need to perfect, make better so I can meet the demands of society so that I can meet just the demands of being a woman or, you know, taking care of my family. There's so many pressures. Uh, it's easy to feel that we're not enough. Um, and so I, I hear a lot of women trying to change that narrative in their own minds and hearts to accept what is still in progress, what is not perfect, what we have been taught to perceive as flaws or ugliness or all of these judgments that are placed on our appearance, our sensitivity, our tender hearts, whatever that thing is that we've been taught is that's vulnerable. It's shameful. Um, keep it hidden. And we're saying, why? why? That's actually my superpower. That is my core. That is my essence. That is my truth. Why is my truth shameful? Um, so I think we're getting to that level of, if not truly deeply down, believing we are enough and we are the word that's come to me recently is that we are cherished. You know, it's not even that we're just enough. We are truly cherished. But being able to really embody that and believe that is it's hard work. It's not it's not easy. Yes, yes, it is. For many, it's a lifelong journey, but so valuable because there's something about our nature while this world is is quite quite dark, quite challenging, quite heavy, mm. there I, I just I, I, be, I believe that there is something that we're all aware of internally about what we're really doing here, what our purpose is. And I think that my understanding about, at least from a particular model or framework, is that where all cultures are really coming from a place of survival. Yeah that no culture ever in, in civilization has, you know, been in an, a state or a stage of, you know, complete like freedom or, uh, you know, um, kind of enlightenment or just thriving. Mm -hmm. And so if we all, if it's true that we all are coming at least, you know, historically and maybe still in our own current lives for those of us who are here now on earth, there's so many layers to unpack, but also to your point, there's just so much that is blocking us from just living freely. It's like, why? I just think, don't we all just want to just kind of unshackle and just <laughs> feel, feel free? I don't even think sometimes we realize how burdened we feel mm -hmm. or the kind of burdens we just accept because of 
you know, who we are, where we've come from, what our lineage says about us as people, as women. So I'm always interested in finding ways or looking to other people who are finding ways to lighten that load. Mm. And I'm always curious about that particular kind of moment. Mm. It's not a moment in time, but mm-hmm. what is it like for a human mm. to come to the realization, first of all, that, oh my gosh, I'm loaded down and I'm, mm. I'm burdened in a way that I don't really have to be. And then as, and, and then as they start to, uh, you know, through whatever tools, whatever process sees, they start to take off the pieces that are, mm. are burdening them, like what that looks like and what that feels like and what their thoughts are about the letting go of. But I think sometimes for some of us, we come from such oppressed lineages and histories that there's a belief that we just really, it's not possible, not even is it not possible, but it wouldn't be right to take Mm -hmm. the burden Mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder what you think about that in terms of of the the real work on the ground mm-hmm. and people's mm-hmm. process of mm-hmm. kind of coming to terms with oh yeah this this i don't think this is based on truth what i'm how i'm operating or how i'm thinking about myself and the world but it's like there's like a fork in the road do you decide to and maybe it's not that simple but i kind of think of it as like do you decide yeah. okay i don't want this anymore let me start to understand it or you know, I've got to be loyal to this because mm-hmm. this is I, I I've got to respect or I've got to hold on to the values that I've been given and that I hold dearly. You know, it's not as if some people even are are wrong in in their wanting to be loyal to their values, mm-hmm. except that I guess the question is are you really thriving or are you surviving? So I just wonder, you know, kind of just digging a little deeper about that, that process. And I know Mm -hmm. it's so different for every person, Mm -hmm. but you have worked with so many people. I'm wondering if you could just share about what you've witnessed and even maybe what you've personally experienced. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's actually so relevant and so on point um, because it really is kind of the process I'm I'm in and am emerging from very recently. I was very blessed to spend a year on the island of Maui. And it sounds very privileged to say that. And it wasn't for a vacation. It wasn't um, because I'm wealthy and I can go to Hawaii. Um, It was actually a struggle, but I went there because my heart really had opened to some of the people I had met there on a visit. And I felt like there was something again, kind of calling me and I couldn't deny it. And, you know, life presents us sometimes with these experiences. We think it's for one reason and then it turns out to be for a completely different set of set of reasons that we're called to a place or we find ourselves in a community. And, you know, as a Baha'i, I've, you know, been taught from very early days that, you know, my purpose is to serve others. But that can come also with a very heavy burden. And I didn't realize the weight of the world being on my shoulders. Uh, Not only was it too much, but it wasn't healthy. It wasn't actually serving others. My mentality of like almost this burden, this guilt, this, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to serve until I burn myself out type of mode 
And and I, I really had to look at that and grapple with my faith and grapple with, is my faith allowing me to thrive or is it part of the shackles that I've been wearing? And that that was a sort of a, a question I had to start asking myself in the past year because my faith is very dear to me. There's so much of it that is part and woven into the fabric of my being. But I also had to look not only at my religious faith, but at my heritage, at, as you said, you know, the things that have been passed down from my ancestry. You know, I come from uh, a lot of uh, Eastern European and Middle Eastern heritage and, you know, member, members of my family survived the Holocaust, uh, survived revolutions, wars, fled to this country, escaping uh, oppression and uh, death. <laughs> And uh, I understand that that journey, and I'm so grateful to them. But I also had to look at who did they displace, you know, in this quest for survival, wh whose land was taken so that my family could have a safe land, you know, safe home, safe land. I really had to start grappling with some very difficult historical and present realities um and uh and and Hawaii for some reason was really a catalyst uh for that there're very strong spiritual um energies there there is what they call mana which is like the spiritual power that you really feel because the beauty of the landscape the power of the volcanoes uh the the connection of the uh, of the people to the land itself is still very strong and being in presence with that was like holding up a mirror to my own reality and and causing me to really have to look at the beautiful things but also the things that I had shoved away because they were painful and so when you say like that moment of saying I don't want to wake up every day riddled with anxiety because I was, I was, I was waking up every morning just so anxious, and uh, and I I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I, you know, it's still a, it's a work in progress, but I have done a lot of work to release that. And a lot of the release process was not fun. You know, it was not. There was a lot of grief, and so I I always say to people who are starting to write their stories, starting to address. Um, the burdens and wanting to shift them, that they have to, um, and I had to give myself space and time to let the tears flow, to let the pent up emotions release. So grief work is a huge part and parcel, I feel, of the freeing. And you do you you do move past it, and grief comes in waves, certainly, and there's always a lightness that can come after that. But working through those blockages uh, is um, it 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 can it can lead you into some very dark places in yourself. Um, and so it's important to be in an environment where you do feel somewhat supported and safe because if not that's why people bottle it up because you can't work through that if you don't feel that you know at least you have a person who's like it's okay I'm here for you but you can go to your room and deal with your stuff um, but you're not totally isolated and alone so there's a lot of things ingredients 
that for some reason were in place for me so I could work through that. And I guess my task now is just to maybe assist people have those ingredients so that they can, because we all have to do it, you know, for ourselves. Oh, thank you for sharing, Andriana. That is no doubt a very profound journey that you've been on, that you're on, and you certainly can be of service, you know, in the truest way mm-hmm. because you, because of your own personal journey, but also seems like there's also no judgment in yeah. what you're saying about, about yourself. Not that maybe you had moments where you did self-judge, <laughs> but in terms of the, the, just the overall spirit that I feel as you share mm-hmm. your story, you've, it seems to me that you've been able to let go of harsh self-judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a to me, such an important ingredient. I don't know. Maybe that's the leaven. I don't know yeah, of the huge. cake for other people to to understand and hear, even if you don't say it explicitly, mm-hmm. but for people to understand, oh, okay, with, if I'm working with this person, they're not judging me. There's just They're just allowing me to go inward and explore truth and explore even the demons. And yeah. I imagine that your quite a powerful force in someone's journey. Um, and that's, that's wonderful to know that you're, you're doing, you're doing that work. And I, I'm just curious if you, if you are open to sharing, were there specific, as you said, ingredients or tools or processes or resources that you used, like say in this last year, or was it really just primarily you kind of guiding yourself on the journey? It was both. And and thank you so much for getting into the fine grained uh, methods and process. A lot of it was groping around in the dark, you know, and saying, oh, my God, my body is breaking down. Um, I'm in depression. You know what? What's going on? So I would reach for things like I was very lucky. Um, a friend of mine put me in touch with like a very community based um, acupuncturist. I'd never done acupuncture in my life, but the way she explained it to me made sense. She's like, you know, Western medicine can do these tune-ups or can put a Band-Aid, but this is about really helping redirect energy flows and 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 addressing some long-term blockages. And so, of course, when you address those blockages, maybe, you know, you, you have a release of anger or uh, anxiety, but then you work through it, then it's gone. <laughs> then, you, you know, it can, it can be released. You have to maintain it, of course, but the acupuncture was a helpful modality for me. Um, again, other people will find other modalities, body work, energy work that does help them. For me, movement is very important. I tend to be in my head a lot. Writing is a very, you know, can be a very cerebral um, activity. And so walking is very important for me. Um, swimming became very important because it is so slow, you know, uh, it gives me a different sense of uh, peace and calm to be in the water, dance. Um, so body, physical movement is is really, really important, uh, especially as you're processing really difficult things, because it does help to healthfully release it. Journaling, I, I think one of the most powerful techniques I finally came to is one that I had prescribed to a lot of people. And I'm like, I better start taking my own medicine. Um, and that is to start to write out those negative self-beliefs and those lies and those what I call like junk thoughts that, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and the first, you said about non-judgment. Oh my gosh. 
I mean, the first thing I would do is look in the mirror and find something to criticize, you know, about my appearance or about something that was going on internally that I thought man- was manifesting externally. And so really starting to say, I would never do that to someone else. I'd never say that to someone else. Why am I doing that and saying that to myself and writing, starting to write out sort of that negative framework that I had instilled as a, as a young person, as a, as a child, and then writing out the reverse of that and the more positive, uh, not only affirmations, but for me, the work was about being in right relationship first with myself and then outwards. And so it was really writing the relationship with, with myself first. And for me, writing, actually writing is, is, is definitely part of that. So yeah, journaling was, was really key. Talking to my trusted women friends has always been, it's just non-negotiable. I'm very lucky to have women I can have conversations like this with and feel not judged. And they say, me too, girl, like I've been through it. I understand. So, so I think that's another thing is just having um, some community, lighthearted community, um, where I didn't feel completely alone, uh, even when I was in the darkest moments. There'd always be one voice on the phone saying, I've been there. It's okay. I know you're going to get through this even when I didn't really believe it for myself. That's beautiful. What a process. Mm. So holistic, Mm. which I relate to. Mm. I'm of the belief I want as many tools as truly help. You know, sometimes you try out tools and you're like, "Mm, not really for me. Yep. But hey, at least I know now. And Mm -hmm. then I find I've kind of come up with a core set of tools or resources that I know I can rely on day in, day out. I mean, for me, it's meditation and yes. prayer and journaling yes. and being in nature. Yes. Those are like the top four for me. So me too. I agree. <laughs> I can, I can appreciate so much what you're sharing. It's, it's about finding what works for us in, you know, it's not about doing what everybody else does. Sometimes you can be inspired and you can learn, about a resource you didn't know about and explored and say, oh, okay, this is something I want to add. This is a tool I want to add to my toolkit. But I really think this is this, the personal work, you know, it's, it's, it's deep. It's as deep as it needs to be if you're willing to go that deep. And it's one thing to put all the tools out on the table and say, okay, there they are. (laughs) And it's a whole nother thing to start to use them make use of them. And I think the journey of finding your tools, your resources is a journey in and of itself. But I, I guess what I'm also saying is I encourage people to not just not just collect your tools and keep them in the tool chest, make use of them. That's why they exist, right? That's how we heal, work through things, evolve, progress. So I I really enjoyed hearing you talk about mm-hmm. your process and also the process of your gathering up your tools or mm. exploring that that's that's a really rich process in mm. my experience thank you thank you 